The Lord be with you. And your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory be to you, Lord. On the evening of the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we celebrate the beautiful Sunday of Divine Mercy. Um, a feast introduced into the church after the Lord's revelation to St. Faustina and then finally enshrined in the church's calendar by Pope John Paul II. This wonderful feast that has with it uh, so many graces promised by the Lord. I would recommend reading through the Divine Mercy Diary. I think everyone should read through it at least once just to receive that beautiful message of divine mercy, the way in which the Lord speaks about the abundance of his mercy, but not only that, the desire that he has to pour that mercy out on souls. But he waits with anticipation for our own free will to receive that mercy, right? To open ourselves up to the torrent, if you will, of divine mercy that flows from his heart. And so he speaks so beautifully to St. Faustina about his desire for souls, that they would turn to his mercy. He says to them, mankind will not know peace until it turns to my mercy. 
And so we all pray for that mercy of Christ, not only in our own life, but also that we pray for the whole world to receive an outpouring of his divine mercy. We see his mercy active first here in this gospel passage with his disciples as they stand in most need of his mercy. These were the ones so particularly loved by him and chosen by him. There were no graces that he didn't give them. He gave them everything. He called them to himself. They had the best of teachers. They had the best of instruction. There was nothing in terms of, from his side, any fault in terms of what he had done. It was a failure completely on their part, a failure of love. And so they find themselves, as St. Thomas describes, in a threefold disturbance of peace at this moment. They are not at peace within themselves because they've sinned, they've fallen. And so they stand in this lack of peace with the fact that they have abandoned the one who loved them, that they have betrayed the one who loved them. He also says that they are not at peace with God because of this, not because God has done anything, but because they have failed. And so they stand in a distorted now relationship from their perspective with the one who is love. But also you can see that this peace is throughout the city. They have locked themselves away for fear of others. And so there is this lack of peace in the relationship with others that also exists. And so into this lack of peace, into this disturbance, into this fear, into this darkness, into this despair, the Lord steps with his mercy. And the first gift of his mercy, as we've said before, is his presence. If you read through the Divine Mercy Diary, 98, 99% of the apparitions of Christ to St. Faustina are always in relationship to the Blessed Sacrament. She had in her own life a particular love for the Blessed Sacrament. Her title in religious life was St. Faustina of the Blessed Sacrament. Her whole life was oriented to this wonderful mystery of Christ's presence. She also rejoiced one year when they used to draw saints, and I think that's a wonderful custom. I still do it. I know my family does it as well. But around New Year, you draw a saint for the year, a patron saint for the year. And she rejoiced because everyone else got patron saints. She got the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And so that to her was such a wonderful gift because that's all she wanted, was to be close to him, this fire of mercy. And then even in her sickness, whenever she was confined to her cell, the Lord would still come to her in the Blessed Sacrament when he was brought by the priest so that she could receive Holy Communion. This was her consolation and her life, the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist. And it is particular then to this mystery that the divine mercy reality of Christ and the outpouring of Christ is tied. Because in the Blessed Sacrament, there is the source of mercy that is Christ himself. The Lord that we see here in this image, this wonderful image that we are called to reverence today, is here in reality. The image, if you will, gives us an insight to the reality of Christ as he stands upon the altar, as he is received by us in Holy Communion. That same heart from which we see those rays of mercy pouring out, pours out in reality upon this altar, in the mystery of Christ present in the Blessed Sacrament. And when we receive Christ, we don't just receive the outpouring of the mercy of his heart, we receive the source and the font of mercy himself, 
It's like taking the well and putting the well into us, not simply drinking from the well. When we receive the Eucharist, we receive all of it, all of God, everything of Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is the profound mystery of his mercy. His mercy does not allow him to hold anything back of himself. He pours himself out completely for us and then gives himself completely to us. And so we see here with his disciples in the upper room, he is first present to them and then he speaks to them. And you can imagine what they were expecting he might say. Based on our own judgment, when we fall or when we do things wrong, sometimes we fear the rebuke that might come from the one that we have offended. There is not a rebuke in his words. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. His presence is consolation. His words are consolation. His presence is mercy. His words are mercy. When he had said this, again, emphasizing what he had said, he showed them his hands and his side. He shows them his wounds. We are called to contemplate the wounds of Jesus Christ. In order, as with St. Thomas, it says, be no longer unbelieving, but believe. His wounds and contact with his wounds through contemplation brings an increase of faith, but it brings other gifts as well. It brings deep contrition for sin. It brings a contrition for sin that we should have and sometimes do not have. Sometimes we do not consider the ones or the wounds of those whom we have hurt. The reality of Christ as he stands there before them, he shows them his wounds. This is what our response was to him who gave himself completely to us. He gave us everything. We gave him wounds. We pierced his hands, we pierced his side, we pierced his feet, we pierced his head. That was our response to the outpouring of his love. And so when we contemplate his wounds, his wounds then give us proper contrition for sin, a deep sorrow for sin. Not that we despair, but that we come to know our need for mercy, that we actually need his mercy. And he presents his wounds after saying to them, peace be with you. And this is what stops them from despairing. He is showing that his position, his heart, is still simply love and mercy. And then he shows them his wounds. And from this experience, it says, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They are consoled by this experience and this encounter with him. And so also for us, this same reality, as we've said multiple times, is the reality of the Mass. The Lord comes to us with his merciful presence in order to console us. He also then speaks to us through the words and the liturgy of the word. And then also he shows us his hands and his side as we also enter into his passion and death, which is made present to us through the mystery of the Mass the one sacrifice of Christ, once for all. And we are able to participate in that one sacrifice of Christ through this mystery. And so you have in Christ, as he appears here, the fullness of the Paschal mystery. You have his wounds, but he is also alive. You have the marks of his death, but he is standing there resurrected. You have passion, 
death, resurrection, the fullness of that mystery, all there in reality, in the same way that we have it here at the Mass. But not all the disciples were there. Thomas was not able to experience this great mystery, and so he is still left in doubt. He will not even believe the other disciples. No, until I can actually touch the wounds, I will not believe. And we might think that we would be above this type of disposition, but we're not. We're not. Encounter with Christ is necessary for us. And this is what Pope Francis, he kind of reiterated a few times at the beginning of his pontificate. What we must proclaim and what we must foster and what we must facilitate for people is the encounter with Christ. Nothing surpasses that encounter for moving people into faith. We have to encounter first the one who loved us, and then we can begin to love him in return. And so Thomas is left in this darkness because he has not experienced the presence of Christ post his death. He has not seen the wounds. He has not heard his voice. And rightly, he longs for these things. We all do. We all long for the presence of Jesus, to hear his words. And this is the reality of the Mass. We come here in his presence. We listen to his words. And this is what helps us to increase in faith. This is the source and the summit of our faith. This is his gift of mercy to us, the gift that continually transforms us by our experience here at the Mass. Yes, we increase in our devotion. Sometimes we are not as devoted as we should be. But the more that we come to the feet of the Lord, the more our devotion increases, the more we experience the beauty of the Mass. And so we repeatedly come back to this fount of mercy in order to draw from it and in order to be consoled and in order to no longer be disbelieving but to believe. And so also with St. Thomas, we throw ourselves into the wounds of Christ. The Lord literally says to him, take your hand and throw it into my side. And so also we kind of throw ourselves, that word means to kind of throw with abandon, we throw ourselves into the wounds of Christ in order to wash ourselves in that beautiful mercy that he has so that we might experience it for ourselves, but also then as we become more like him, we desire that mercy for others as well. And so that's that beautiful prayer that the Lord gave to St. Faustina, that prayer for mercy, which is a prayer not only for herself, but a prayer for all of us and a prayer for the entire world. We celebrate this wonderful feast day today, this wonderful solemnity of divine mercy with this beautiful image of what is the reality that we participate in. And we give thanks for this mercy and we pray that the Lord will pour this mercy out not only on us, but on the whole world. Amen.